Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Video Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Videobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook. Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 830. Kind of a quiet day out in the Talking Birds Garden, right behind our home radio station here in Massachusetts. We do have an eastern bluebird out there, along with blue jays and northern cardinals, black-capped chickadees, morning doves, and one female wild turkey strutting her stuff there out by the parking lot. It's a big week for birding. A few examples. It's Dawn Chorus Day. As we air our show live here on the first Sunday in May. International Dawn Chorus Day is a celebration of nature's greatest symphony. Folks are encouraged to rise early, as the organizers say, to revel in the sweet sound of birdsong from rattling wrens in Rotherham, that's a town in England where this all started, to crooning cowbirds in the Caribbean. Starting on Thursday, May 6th, the biggest week in American birding gets underway in Northwest Ohio. We'll have a special guest live here on Talking Birds from the festival next week. Legendary birder and author Ken Kaufman will be with us. Since the festival is virtual this year, you can take part in it from wherever you are. You can just do an online search for biggest week in American birding for details on that. And Saturday, May 8th is International Migratory Bird Day celebrating and bringing attention to bird migration as one of the most important and spectacular events in the Americas. That's been around since 1993, now being hosted at more than 600 sites in the Western Hemisphere from Canada to Argentina. Meanwhile, we've received another audio postcard from our Alabama associate, and here it is. Hey everyone, it's Freya McGregor here. I'm not sure if you could hear it, but there were two fish crows just flying overhead now. Uh, I'm in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and fish crows look exactly the same as American crows, and the only way to tell them apart is by their call, which I think sounds kind of crowish, except clownish. These two were just calling to each other overhead and one was going, uh-uh, and the other one was going, eh. Like it's sort of crowish, but it's it's not right. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh-uh. Eh. And I've heard, I've heard this pair, I think this pair live around here, I've heard them calling like, uh-uh, like, uh-oh, but in crow. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> oh, it cracks me up. 
anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Freya, for that sort of crowish report there from Alabama. On to our mystery bird contest preview now. Here is the bird, and listen very carefully. This is a very, very high-pitched sound and kind of hard to hear. You kind of... We kind of juiced it up there as much as possible so that it would be kind of audible. It sounds a little weird, I think, the way we did that. But just to give you some sense of the sound of that bird, it's a small songbird. The male has a black cap, white cheeks, and a black mustache with a white throat and chest, thin black stripes down its sides, and distinctive orange legs. The female is grayish to olive green on the back and lacks the black cap. Our bird is a relatively common breeder in the boreal forests of Canada, Alaska, and parts of northern New England, and wings its way nearly 2,000 miles over the open ocean to winter in the Caribbean or northern South America. Our mystery bird there, that's our preview of our mystery bird contest, prizes for which will include... A big bag of bird-friendly, shade-grown, delicious birds and beans coffee. And the Droll Yankees' super popular observer window feeder. Attaches right to your window, nothing but glass between you and the birds. Prizes on our upcoming mystery bird contest in just a little bit. Meanwhile, we have some conservation greenwashers of the week. Greenwashing, for those not familiar with the term, is modeled on the word whitewash. It's a kind of marketing spin in which green or eco-friendly marketing is used to convince the public that a company's products, aims, or policies are environmentally friendly, when in fact maybe they're not. Who's doing the greenwashing this week? It's the American Beverage Association and member companies who make Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper. They're running some TV ads touting their new recyclable bottles while ignoring the fact that only a very small percentage of plastic bottles ever get recycled, whether they're recyclable or not. And the effort comes shortly after Coca-Cola and PepsiCo, along with Nestle Corporation, were named in 2020 as the world's top plastic polluters for the third year in a row. In fact, Coca-Cola was ranked the world's number one plastic polluter by the advocacy group Break Free from Plastic after Coke's bottles were shown to be the most frequently found discarded on beaches, in rivers, in parks, and at other sites in 51 out of 55 countries surveyed. So what should those companies be doing instead of claiming that they plan to bring back every bottle? Emma Priestland, the global campaign coordinator for Break Free from Plastic, says... The only way to halt the global tide of plastic litter is to cut production, phase out single-use plastics, and implement reuse systems. By the way, that global tide includes the 8 million tons of plastic that we continue to put into our oceans every year. In the American Beverage Association and the makers of Coca-Cola, Pepsi and Dr. Pepper are our greenwashers of the week. We have some conservation good news this week, though, thanks to our friend Cecilia D. from St. Petersburg, Florida. According to a report of the Tampa Bay Times, plans to build more than 300 miles of toll roads across rural Florida have been shut down. Last Tuesday, the Florida House voted 115 to 0 to repeal most of the projects. 
The bill was a top priority of former Florida State President Bill Galvano, who said the roads would revitalize rural communities and prepare the state for future growth. But no studies were ever produced showing a need for the roads. And Cecilia shared some more good environmental news from Florida. That concerns the passage this week of the Florida Wildlife Corridor Act that would expand the network of routes that the state's wildlife, including the iconic Florida panther, uses to migrate across the state. The act also awards $300 million to Florida Forever, a land conservation program that specifically protects the Florida Wildlife Corridor. Other highway projects are still being proposed, not surprisingly, but for now, there's some good news from the Sunshine State. And thank you, Cecilia, for alerting us to it. By the way, Cecilia is one of our Talking Birds ambassadors, and we're happy to extend an official welcome now to the following folks to our ambassadors' family this morning. Thank you to Jake Carolan from Egan, Minnesota. He says, uh, thanks for keeping me company and teaching me about birds while I'm walking the dog, driving to work, and doing the dishes. As a special education teacher, I always encourage my students to go out and learn about nature, and I try to use birds in my reading lessons now and again. He adds, I just bought a couple of trash pickers on Amazon. I can't wait to take them out plurting with my own kids. That is so great. Thank you, Jake. Plurting, a favorite thing of ours we got going a while ago. That's picking up litter while birding. That's plurting. And thank you to Enrique Garcia from San Antonio, Texas. He says, I've been listening to Talking Birds for many years, and we actually corresponded before you answered a question relating to a parake that visited my neighborhood on a nightly basis when I used to live in Laredo, Texas. My cockatiel learned to mimic his call. I've been a birder all my life, says Enrique. My most memorable experience was seeing three kingfisher species at the same time in Laredo in 2016. An Amazon kingfisher, a ringed kingfisher, and a green kingfisher. It was a beautiful experience. No doubt that it was. More about uh, that parake, by the way, in a few minutes. But right now... We know that birds try to keep warm in cold weather by seeking shelter, by fluffing up their feathers to increase insulation, and by shivering, kind of like people do. But it appears that scientists have discovered another way that birds fend off the chill. And to learn what that thing is and who's discovered it, we now visit the Talking Birds Science Corner. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. Debbie Bleacher awaits us there. Good morning, Debbie. Hey, good morning, Ray. So this is pretty intriguing about this uh, heat thing. What is this new heat source in birds that's been discovered? Well, it certainly isn't space heaters. Um, it is actually the red blood cells of birds, specifically the tiny little battery pack that gives them energy. That's called the, the, uh, the mitochondria. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And they uh, seem to produce more heat in winter than in the rest of the year. Wow. Okay. So they kind of, instead of producing energy, 
which they normally would do, they somehow are able to produce heat instead? Yeah, sort of. Researchers at Lund University in Sweden um, tested the blood of a couple different species of wild birds in early fall and in late winter um, using a uh, something called a cell respirometer, which measures the amount of oxygen that the mitochondria consume. Mm. Um, must be really small, right? This little instrument. Very small. So, um, and they discovered, so they, they tested the bird's blood, like I said, twice, um, so they could compare them, and discovered that in late, they discovered in both, at both times, um, the cells were producing uh, both heat and energy, hmm. but in the winter, not only were there more mitochondria in the blood, but they were producing more heat. Huh. Wow, that, yeah. is, that is just amazing. So studies like this seem to produce questions as well as answers, too. So how will they follow up on what they've learned about this? Well, um, of course, you know, they want to know. We all want to know how do birds do this. So the questions are like, well, where does the energy come from to increase the, the heat output? Is it from the bird's diet? You know, are they, are they eating different things or making different choices? Mm. And then what's the trigger? Is it simply being cold or is it the length of days or, I don't know, looking at a calendar or something? Who knows? <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, figuring out how and why, uh, how birds do it and what gets them started um, seems to be, seem to be really hot, excuse me, <laughs> mm. hot avenues for research right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one, one thing also to remind you of mm-hmm. is that it's not voluntary. The birds can't turn this on and off. This, this mm-hmm. just happens as a result of their going through their year. All right. They don't decide this. They just kind of kind of do it. And we can't do it because we don't have those mitochondria in our red blood cells, right? That's right. Yeah, we have them in our other cells, but um, hmm. mammals don't have mitochondria in the blood. So we can't train ourselves to do this. All right. Pretty amazing stuff. Um, by the way, uh, before you go, you have another little thing to tell us. is completely unrelated to this, but certainly related to something we talked about recently and have talked about many times. And that is a kind of pollution related to released balloons, right? You have something in your high school, your kid's high school, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're so happy about this. Um, there had uh, our high school had historically been giving, doing sort of a, a fundraiser with balloons, where people could buy bouquets of balloons for their graduating seniors. And there was huge pushback from the community over the last year or two about the environmental impact. So this year, the school is not sponsoring that fundraiser. Instead, it's going to be flowers and yard signs. Well, wow, that is so great. I hope they can convince other schools to uh, to do that. Maybe create some kind of a covenant outreach about that. Oh, yeah. You had something else you were going to talk about, and I made a note of it, and I can't find it here. Do you happen to know what that was? <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, I Well, just to, to, to mention that to all our listeners, that fishing line is really a hazard um, for birds and other animals. I was out flirting yesterday with a friend, and I happened to pick up a big snarl of fishing line on the on the ground. And before I knew it, I was completely tangled up in it. Wow. So, if, I mean, it took my friend and me several minutes to get me out of it. So I'm thinking if I'm, you know, a big mammal with a brain and thumbs and I get all tangled up in fishing line, just think about all the smaller creatures without those advantages. Oh, oh. by the way, there are these great little things that people put near shorelines uh, to keep uh, for people to put their fishing line in, their leftover fishing line. Um, Unfortunately, people stick other kinds of junk in there. 
So uh, oh, I'm not yeah. sure if that's the the, the greatest uh, system, but uh, at least uh, at least the effort is is being made there. And uh, thanks for doing that flirting with your friend. Oh, of course. And, uh, by the way, just getting back to the science corner for a second, birds have some cool ways to cope with hot weather too. Maybe we could talk about that on a science corner coming. Oh, up it'd be my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Debbie. Oh, you're welcome, Ray. My pleasure. All right, Debbie Bleacher there in the Talking Birds Science Corner. Let's see. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment about black-headed gulls and purple martins. And up next, a bird uh, mentioned a moment ago, that note from Ambassador Enrique Garcia, the common paraque is about to star as today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. The Laredo, Texas area is indeed a good place to look for the common paraque. South Texas is just about the only place in the U.S. where the bird is found. The common paraque is a well-camouflaged, long-tailed brown and gray nightjar. Among its relatives are the eastern whippoorwill, the common poorwill, the chuckwill's widow, and the common nighthawk. This nightjar is a resident of open, brushy woodlands in areas rich in Texas ebony, live oak, or mesquite, and it feeds at night in open areas, catching its main prey, slow-flying beetles, by jumping up or running along the ground to snatch them. That low-to-the-ground foraging accounts for the genus part of the bird's name, Nyctodromus, which means night runner. Its species name, Albicolis, refers to the large white splotch on the bird's throat. Here's a typical puyir song of a male common paraque. And the whip call of a female. The paraque's range extends down through Central America where one of its nicknames is Caballero de la Noche, Gentleman of the Night, reflecting its association with love. The common paraque, Nyctodromus albicollis, today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 830. We love to hear from you. Comments, suggestions, thoughts, and opinions, questions, uh, right at our contact button right there at Talking Birds. We're up next. It's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. This is our kind of hard-to-hear mystery bird 
we've juiced up the sound of it so it could be audible. And it sounds a little weird doing it that way, but at least you can sort of kind of hear it. I hope. Our mystery bird is a small songbird. The male has a black cap, white cheeks, and a black mustache with a white throat and chest, thin black stripes down its sides, and distinctive orange legs. The female is grayish to olive green on the back and doesn't have that black cap. Our bird is a relatively common breeder in the boreal forests of Canada, Alaska, and parts of northern New England, and wings its way nearly 2,000 miles over the open ocean to winter in the Caribbean or northern South America. What a trip. That's our mystery bird. What do you think it is? Give us a call at 781-837-4900 and tell us or give your guess, 781-837-4900. Prizes include a 12-ounce bag of bird-friendly, shade-grown, delicious birds and beans coffee. And the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder that attaches securely to your window, offering a clear, unobstructed view of the birds right outside. Prizes on our Mystery Bird Contest the number is 781-837-4900. Call us as soon as you can. Meanwhile, it's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor... You'll find it all, along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for, in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. Hi, my name is John Ficken, and I have the privilege of living in St. Pete, Florida. You know, the thing I love about being a Talking Birds ambassador is that I get to have my little contribution to helping people understand and embrace nature and birds. I really encourage everybody who listens to Ray to become a Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com. Cape Cod is the place where Mike O'Connor has birds right in his yard that many of us don't hardly ever get to see at all, and he's here to brag about it right now from the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. Good morning, Mike. Hey, happy Dawn Chorus Day, Ray. Happy Dawn Chorus to you. We're a little late here for that, but uh, we've enjoyed it. Oh, it's it, not uh, today? It is today. I just mean it's late in the day. Oh, the dawn was, uh, <laughs> oh uh, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, it's, it's usually more like early in the morning that they have that. But, yeah, uh, they had to cancel the parade this year because of the <laughs> pandemic, which is too bad. It's still really early out on the West Coast, however. Here we go. There so we you go. Have, That's what I'm talking about. You've got black-headed gulls, prairie warblers in your in your yard. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, I woke wow. up this morning. Well, I saw a black-headed gull, which is a European bird, which sometimes gets to the East Coast uh, mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. And it looks a lot like the much more common laughing gull. It has that black hood, but the hood is a little bit shorter. And so I, I usually I don't pay attention to things that are close to something else, but this one caught my eye, so I took mm-hmm. a picture of it. And um, I showed a picture to David Clapp, and Uh-oh. he confirmed it as a uh, uh, black-headed gull. Hmm. So, but since it was David Clapp, I'm still not really sure. Yeah, that's the skeptical. Right thing yeah, 
yeah, oh yeah, always skeptical with David, you know what I'm saying? So that was pretty cool, and then uh, this morning there was a prairie warble migrating through, and then I stepped out on my porch, and right above my head was a, a turkey vulture, so I don't know, I didn't know how to interpret that, so I went back in the house. <laughs> well, we want to talk about Purple Martins anyway. They're coming up here from way down south in the Central America, northern South America, Brazil, yeah, Brazil, Brazil where yeah. they spend a lot of their winter time. Yeah. And they come back, and, you know, and I know a lot of my customers, and I, you know, I'm going to you know, spread this around, figuring everybody has the same thing. You know, you go for a Sunday drive and you see this nice house or maybe a farm and they have these beautiful kind of multi-story painted uh, birdhouses on a post. And, and people automatically think those are for Martins. And, and sometimes they are, but oftentimes the pretty ones aren't really built for Martins. The hole's too small, the compartments are too small. And Martins are a good bird to attract, but if you want to attract them, don't necessarily buy one of those. They do have some really nice uh, Martin, uh, specific Martin houses, although they're not nearly as attractive. So if you want it, uh, you can't be going for aesthetics in this case. You have to go for practicality. And Martin houses are usually big, they're usually expensive, and they go on these expensive poles that you can crank up and down because you, you need to do a fair amount of uh, maintenance on a Martin house. Um, and my advice is not to, you know, look at a, a, a pretty birdhouse and then try to get that but i would do a little bit more investigating if you want to attract martins certain habitats are conducive to them a lot of people just aren't going to get martins depending where they live they're over throughout a lot of the country even on the west coast has martins although those martins tend to use natural cavities but east of the rockies they really depend on artificial nesting but we, we as a consumer or a person who, who wants to attract martins should look into it a little bit more. Do they have the right habitat? Talk to the local Audubon or birding clubs. And also go to, like, there's a, this wonderful website uh, called purplemartin.org where they kind of give you step-by-step step of what a martin house should look like. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's just gourds, and they're not going to be all that attractive, but they are easy to maintain. And they have this wonderful 10-minute video clip of the growth of a martin where you can, it's 10 minutes, and you watch them from the eggs to the babies to the parents feeding, and there's quite a bit of drama there, and um, I would punch that up for sure. All right, pretty cool. And the, 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 those birds don't care about your architectural sensibilities. They want to know how that thing is going to work. No. Not at all. No, yeah. they don't like. And, and by the way, martins don't eat many mosquitoes. You, you, more, they very rarely eat a mosquito. That's just kind of myth. I actually, uh, you know, if I go for a bike ride, I end up eating more mosquitoes than the martins. <laughs> Another myth shattered. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. You got it. Next week, Ray, we'll talk. All right, next week, Mike O'Connor from the legendary Birdwatchers General Store down on Cape Cod. Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley tips and stories about bird photography, access to quarterly e-workshops on identifying and photographing birds, and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Birdwatching Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com slash memberships. Back to the mystery bird contest. Here's the sound of our mystery bird, a small songbird with the male having a black cap, white cheeks, and a black Mustache uh, Dave is in Halifax, uh, I think it's the one in Massachusetts. Good morning, Dave. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Dave. You heard, yes. our, you heard our clues and all of that stuff. What do you say our uh, mystery bird uh, might be there? Uh, uh, you always give great clues, and you have to pay attention, because uh, <laughs> they're all important. And, and I just want to say that I'm a, uh, a talking bird ambassador, so uh, yes. 
Well, thank you very much uh, for uh, that. But, but I listened uh, uh, because uh, church uh, we can't attend, so uh, nine thirty Sunday mornings I talk in birds. All right. Well, thank but you. But through uh, 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 your great clues, uh, <laughs> I selected the black pole wobbler. You selected the black pole wobbler. That was a quite an excellent suggestion. The black pole wobbler. An incredible migratory champion. We should talk about it on next week's show. In the meantime, that is correct. And Dave, congratulations. And thanks for being a Talking Birds ambassador. And stay on the line there. And Jesse, you'll get your info. I'm sure I continue to spread the word. And uh, thank you for uh, your show. It uh, really, uh, I, uh, I get information every Sunday. Very good. Thank you so much, Dave. All right. The Black Pole Warbler, our mystery bird. And... Is about out of time. Just a reminder to check out our Talking Birds flock at Facebook.com, a great place to connect with other Talking Birds listeners. Next week, living legend Ken Kaufman will be our guest here from the biggest week in American birding, which starts uh, Thursday up there at the Warbler capital of the world in Northwest Ohio. Meanwhile, we're out of time for today. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs> Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Video Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org. And on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club.